Glad you are here at Connect Church this morning. My name is Terry Pierce. Uh, after a little uh, break last week, <laughs> so welcome to Connect Church. Glad to have you with us. We are walking through the Gospel of Luke, and God has a plan for your life. The Gospel of Luke, God has a plan for your life. And each and every Sunday here, as we walk through this incredible book of the Bible, verse by verse, uh, literally unpacking every truth that God has for us in this incredible Gospel, uh, we are sharing with you the theme that He wants you to unpack each piece of His plan for your life. And uh, let me begin with uh, sort of an apology. I sort of lied to you guys uh, a couple of weeks ago. I told you guys that I wasn't going to do any more dumb and dumber illustrations, but I got one more uh, that I have to do. And so this is the mini bike uh, uh, scene. And I figure if gas prices keep going up, that by Easter, this is how we're all coming to church. <laughs> I, I can't wait to look out in the parking lot and see, and Gary uh, Doris is going to be going, I told y'all should have got a motorcycle, but anyway, uh, truth matter is, maybe that's where we're going. has nothing to do with the sermon. Just thought I'd throw that out there because I had to get one more Dumb and Dumber in. Thank you. All right, moving on. Uh, so uh, here's the message today. Contrary to, public op uh, to popular opinion, doubting, doubting is normal. Doubting is normal, it is healthy, and perhaps, and it is, necessary for you to really grow spiritually. Dr. Danny Aiken, New Testament scholar, he says it this way in analysis of today's text and to this very point. Disciples who never suffer periods of trembling confidence in their God the Bible or the gospel or their calling are most likely playing it safe or living in denial. That is a statement, I'll guarantee you, that you have never heard in a fundamental Bible-believing church. Because the way we were raised in our conservative movement is that we're never to let anybody see us doubt. Matter of fact, I've heard preachers say over the years, if you have doubts, then you're not right with God. And that is a huge lie. And Jesus is going to call it out, and he's going to tell you something completely different. Your doubts are part of your Christian journey. Matter of fact, you can't even discover what God really has for you until you get to that place that you're wrestling with the questions the fears and the frustrations. Doubts are what fuel us to go deeper to find real life answers. I don't know how you are, but I guarantee you it is time for you to be tired of church cliches, social media memes that give you a little nice happy thought that don't really solve the frustrations and the problems of the real life that you're going through. So this morning, here's where we want to dive into. Doubts cause us to go down into the labyrinth realm of profound truths to find treasures that many people don't even know exist. This is what God wants to teach you in your seasons of doubt how to go deeper and discover truths that you wouldn't otherwise get if you weren't going through the pain and the frustration of your doubts. 
Let me illustrate to you this way. A few years, several years ago, um, our, we took our youth group to St. Croix, Virgin Islands, on a missions trip. We were suffering for Jesus. And anyway, uh, we took our teenagers and we went uh, down to the island of uh, St. Croix and we were there, uh, the Virgin Islands, we were there on St. Croix. And in that uh, city, there was an actual church plant, a Free Will Baptist church plant with a Christian school. And we went and uh, did a community outreach for an entire week. Uh, we taught that city about how to play basketball. They're not real popular there. And so we did a basketball camp, and for an entire week, uh, we are pouring into these kids about how to play the game of basketball and then sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and sharing with them. Had services at night. It was an awesome week. And in the midst of all of that missional work, uh, all of a sudden, out of the dorms one day, after one of the basketball camps, Kathy Hallmark, one of our chaperones from our church, she comes screaming, there is a giant scorpion inside of the girls' dorm. We found it in one of the sleeping bags. And, this, and so I run over there thinking, you know, it's going to be a little bitty you know, bug or whatever. I walk in there, and I kid you not, it was a 10-pound scorpion uh, that was there. I mean, this thing was monstrous. Uh, I took my shoe and tried to kill it. It took my shoe away from me. <laughs> And, so, and then I got a softball bat, and I was going to try to kill it with a bat. And if any of you that have ever played Connect Church softball with me, you know that I couldn't hit that thing to save my life. And a few times I did connect with it, and it went off to the right. But anyway, uh, and, and so uh, I'm swinging, trying to kill that 15-pound scorpion uh, with my bat. And finally, couldn't kill it, couldn't do it. The pastor, the host pastor, he's used to living that way. He comes in, and he kills the 20-pound scorpion scorpion. This thing was huge, and, and I'm just telling you. Uh, and anyway, we were terrified, but after we got the scorpion out of the way, uh, everywhere we walked, we sort of, you know, <laughs> I looked down after that. But anyway, uh, but they decided that on the last day of the missions trip uh, that they were going to take us uh, snorkeling. I think a few of the guys may have went scuba diving. And so this whole thing, how many of you have ever been snorkeling? Ever been on a cruise, went snorkeling? <laughs> you guys are way braver than me. You guys are morons. All right, anyway, um, but I'm like, man, I grew up fundamental free will Baptist, King James only. You don't wear shorts. You don't go swimming because Jesus never did. And uh, matter of fact, if you grew up like I did, conservative, you know, about all those kind of things, we, you ever think about how stupid this was? We were told you could go mix bathing but not swimming. Doesn't that just sound gross to this generation? Man, I don't want to do no mixed bathing with none of y'all. I'm just telling you, but that's how we grew up, is you were allowed to do mixed bathing, but you couldn't go swim. Anyway, uh, and so, they were, so I didn't know how to swim. And so, uh, you know, they're out there, and they're like, we're going to go snorkeling. I'm going, no way. I ain't going under that water. If Jesus wanted me to go underwater, he would have given me gills. And so they said, but you, you have no idea what you're missing. And then all the teenagers started, you know, you're lame, you're chicken, you're a coward, and you're all that. And I go, I, I am not, ain't neither. And so finally, I over, tried to overcome my fear of water and going against my religion of actually having fun. And so I put on the snorkel stuff. And I almost drowned three times. <laughs> it's hard to suck on that thing without water. But anyway, and finally... I figured it out with all my coordination skills, and lo and behold, what happened next would be a game changer for me. What was on that coral reef was the most incredible blue 
that I've ever seen to this day. I have never seen orange, Josh, that looks that orange. I have never seen fish that were so crystal beautiful, clear, unbelievable, the coral reef. And, and I really thought about putting pictures of what we saw down deep under the water that day and put it up on the screen, but it would be a total lie to you because there is no way a photograph can really even begin to mimic and, and identify with just how gorgeous it is. The truth is, if you want to see God's majesty and glory under the ocean, you have to experience it. There's no picture, there's no words that can identify with you today. And what we're going to uh, unpack for you this morning is the truth is, and now hear me today because this is where we're going to launch from, the doubts that, you're gonna, that you are experiencing, the doubts that are coming your way, there's no way that you can really know the glory that you just sang about and that mean very little to you oftentimes. You sit here and you sing them and you go, oh, that's a cool tune. But do you really know the words? You can't know the glory of the God you're singing about until you dive deeper, until you dive in and experience him in the season of doubts. The doubts are what propel you to discover the dynamic glory of who God is. And this is what Jesus is going to unpack for his audience today, is he teaches them that doubters are actually deep thinkers who need more than church platitudes and folksy theology. Doubters crave spiritual truths that do more than just decorate our denials. Many things lead us to doubt. Let me give you a few of them this morning that you might and the audience identify with. So this message is to help you. Circumstances that appear randomly in your life cause some of us to just trip out. You're here this morning, and you just, the circumstances and situations that have popped up into your life, you're like, man, I'm trying to go to church. I get up at spring break. I'm here at church, I'm tired, we just came off of Disney World, whatever, the beach, but I came to church anyway, and man, we did nothing but fight in the way to the, uh, you know, when we got in the car. We're late, and, and we, we struggle with all this stuff, and we question God's faithfulness. Why am I having this stuff happen in my life when I'm trying to do the right thing? What about another one, maybe for some of the rest of you? When good people, is this one, this one's where I'm at. When good people get sick and die, and yet all the scoundrels running around the world today, why does God allow a Putin to exist? Ouch. Why do good people seem to suffer and evil people seem to get away with so much? Be honest. It doesn't seem fair, God. Sometimes, especially with the Gen Zs and the Millennials, it hits that public opinion causes you to question God. You go off to college, maybe even high school, and your professors tell you that God is a lie and that only emotionally needy people have to invent religion, and religion has done all these destructive things throughout the history of the world, and blah, 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 blah. And the truth is, religion has done a lot of crap. It's done a lot of mess, but not a relationship with Jesus. 
And you're taught that according to science, science, that God doesn't exist. Well, let me explain something to you about science. There is not one single shred of science, actual science, that contradicts anything in this book. I have volumes of great science professors who are believers, and their books are in my shelf. If you want to come by, you can't borrow them because you never give them back, but I'll show you how to buy one. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that every scientist, there is not one law of science, are you listening to me, Gen Zs and millennials, that contradict the Bible whatsoever. Matter of fact, let's start with the most fundamental scientific methodology, the law of thermodynamics. Everything is dying and decaying. If you don't believe me, look in the mirror. The truth of the matter is, everything around us is dissolving. That's what the Bible has said all from the beginning. It's called, in Genesis 3, the curse of sin. Not anybody has ever escaped this. We're all dying. We're all decaying. That's what science says. It proves the validity of the Bible. Now, there are scientific theories out there that tell you that God doesn't exist. But notice what I just said. They're flipping theories. No science whatsoever has any quorum with the Bible. It all matches up because God made it. He made science. So here's what we want you to understand. Maybe the two hardest doubts of all, if I haven't hit you yet, probably will on these two. The two hardest doubts of all is the shame of our sinful behavior. In other words, I know that I'm not a good person. I know that I've been doing some stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Leads me to doubt that God would ever be interested in me. Do you know how many people will burn for eternity in hell because they just felt like they were the bad seed, they were the black sheep, and they were never good enough and God never cared for them? Do you know what a lie that is? Don't you ever doubt that God loves black sheep? The one in 99. He goes after you. He goes after you. He wants you this morning, no matter how much you've screwed up. Don't you doubt that God loves you. I'm not talking about the old school religion where you had to be good enough to come here. Welcome to Connect Church. <laughs> you will never be good enough for God, but He loves you anyway, and He wants you. Somebody say amen. Number two, and I think this is the biggest one, maybe most perplexing of all, is that when faithful obedience, when I check off the list because I'm a fundamental Baptist person, I do everything right, and yet unspeakable suffering, bad stuff still happens to my kids and my life, I make stupid decisions, I do all the right stuff, and my life still goes off track, then that's just not fair. But because I'm a fundamental Baptist, I don't want to think that because God somehow might look bad at me. He already knows you. And you question and you doubt God because you did everything right and bad stuff still happened to you. Where did you ever see in this book that God said if you do it all right, 
then everything's going to be happy in your life nowhere. Jesus, are you listening to me? Jesus did everything right. He's better than you, your arrogant self, and he's better than you, and Jesus was killed on a cross. How do you explain that if you're living your way of thinking? How do you explain the fact that Jesus did it all right and he got killed for it? And why in the world are you freaking out because your stuff doesn't go well and you did all the stuff right? And you get mad and you get angry at everybody else when the problem is you and your way of thinking. Jesus is going to deal with the reality of doubt. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 18 And we're going to look at what Jesus has to say, what Jesus says about dealing with these doubts that pop up in our life. We know from Matthew 11, a correlating passage to Luke 7, that John the Baptist had been imprisoned and arrested. Now, for those of you that aren't been, you haven't been coming. Where you been? Welcome. Uh, but uh, in, uh, we saw early on in the first six chapters of the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, there was this dude, this preacher who was born just a few months before Jesus, and his name is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would be identified by Jesus himself, Rebecca, as the greatest preacher to ever walk the face of the earth. Are you tracking with me? So John the Baptist by Jesus' own declaration, is the greatest preacher that has ever walked the face of the earth. Let that sink in. And now John the Baptist has been arrested for preaching the gospel. And John the Baptist has been in a prison. Most Bible scholars will argue maybe eight months, maybe a year. And in this prison cell... He's wasting away, and he's just like beginning to doubt whether God really, Jesus is really who he says he is. Now let that sink in. I'm talking to you about the greatest preacher who's ever walked the face of the earth is doubting. You understand who John the Baptist is? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He's the one who baptized Jesus and saw heaven open up, Tony, and the angels and the glory of God, and now in prison for about a year, and he's like, I don't even know if this is a real thing or not. Am I wasting my whole life preaching for him, about him, and now none of it makes sense? And if this dude can doubt, how dare you and I think that we're above it? John the Baptist sends his messengers and say, I need you to go ask Jesus if he's real or not. And let me give you one little piece here before we read the text. Do you know what happens in this story? It's a huge mistake that we all make. Who arrested John the Baptist? All right, Sunday school teachers, who arrested John the Baptist? Somebody get, who's, who's the, he was a king. All right, all right, King Herod. All right, we got four people that have read their Bible. Way to go, guys. All right, anyway, and so uh, some of you are like, I knew it, but I just didn't want to say it. Uh, anyway, I get you, Lee. All right, anyway, so, so King Herod, and, and, but you're wrong. Well, that checked off that CTS lesson. Uh, the, King Herod may have been the physical one who arrested Jesus, but that's not who, I mean, John the Baptist, that's not who arrested John the Baptist. It was Satan. You see, the devil 
didn't like that preacher going around telling everybody he had one sermon. John the Baptist, y'all think I'm bad? John, John the Baptist had one sermon. It's like, y'all either repent or you're going to hell. <laughs> that was it. I mean, every week, y'all repent, y'all going to hell. Uh, and he didn't have a big following. Anyway, uh, and, and so that was his sermon. And, and John the Baptist has been arrested by the devil because the devil hated the fact that he's making an impact. Do you know what happens when you get lonely and you get discouraged and death and disease? You lose your job. Your kids just go crazy and you're frustrated. Do you know why those things are happening in your life? It's because Satan's trying to destroy you. But you know what you do when you don't deal with doubt well? Or you ignore it, you deny it, you whatever your personality stupid type is with this thing, and you don't deal with it like you should? You're missing the fact that you have an enemy that's trying to destroy you, and you deflect that reality, and you turn it towards other people, towards me, towards the church. And the whole problem is you got a problem with the devil, and you're not owning it. It's the devil that's trying to destroy you all. It was the devil trying to defeat John the Baptist. But John the Baptist does something that we don't do well. Rather than just sit and waller, he goes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, this is where I'm at. This is how I really feel. Now tell me, am I feeling what's right? Am I feeling what's right? What is the truth? And this morning, we're going to see how Jesus deals with John the Baptist doubts. Would you stand with me? A lengthy passage this morning. <clears throat> the disciples of John reported all these things to him, told him about his doubts. And John, calling two of the disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one? Notice there, that's the question. Are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? Dang, that was hard cold right there, Mark. I mean, they literally asked him, are you Jesus or are we, are we just barking up the wrong tree? And when the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to saying, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And then, the out, and then that hour, he healed many people, speaking of Jesus, of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and many who were blind bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard, and the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and all the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now I'm going to come back and unpack that little phrase, but, but here's where I got to land, just one second, because we're going we, to hey, run out of time. So let me just tell you this morning, uh, let me preach for just a second on this. So here's the scene, here's the context of Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John, the Baptist, come to him, and here's what they say to him, Jonathan. They said, man, are you the one or not? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 my boy, John the Baptist, my boy, the one that I've declared to all you all, and this is, this is a whole crowd around him, Miss Marie, Jesus says, whoa, 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 southern version of Jesus. The one I've declared is my boy, the greatest preacher, Grant, that has ever walked to the face of the earth. You mean he is doubting me. Oh, Jesus, and, and this is why some of y'all keep screwing up because you keep missing this. Jesus doesn't say, oh, he's a bad man. He just, he just failed me because he doubted me. No, you know what Jesus does? 
This is why you run to him when you have doubts. Jesus just says, all right, I'm fixing to show you all who I am. And Jesus says, everybody that's lame, I want you, I want you to get, stand up right now. Everybody that's deaf, I need you to come right now. Everybody that's sick, I need you to come right now. And Alan, he just went nuts. He heals everybody. He touches the lame. He touches the deaf. He raises the dead. And he says, now you go tell my boy I am who I am. Somebody say amen. That's what Jesus does when you all have doubts. He shows you his glory. Now that's different than the way we've heard it. He shows them his glory. He doesn't condemn him. He says, that's who I am. And I just hurt myself. <laughs> Let's get back to the Bible. Dang, I got to get in better shape. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So he says, let me tell you about my boy. I love this. He says, let me tell you about that guy that's struggling with doubt right now. What, what he did when he went out into the wilderness to see. A reed shaken by the wind. This is who, y'all didn't even know who he was. What, did, what then did you go to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Y'all realize... By the way, don't judge me, they couldn't stand the way he dressed. He didn't dress like no Baptist Jewish preacher. He just wore animal skins. He didn't eat like no Baptist preacher. He didn't even eat chicken. It's not in there, but I believe it's there. And they didn't like it. And Jesus says, y'all went to look for the Jewish preacher, but y'all didn't find the one dressed like y'all like. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing... He should have been, you know, prominent and more sophisticated, you know, like Brother Terry. <laughs> and uh, living in, well, no, I ain't living in luxury. All right, now are you in Because that's not Baptist. We don't even know that word means. What then did you go to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, the more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messengers before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, this is what he says about doubting John. There's none greater then John, somebody say amen. I love that. He's got, I got my boys back. Y'all worried about him having doubts about who I am. I'm telling you, there's none better. Best preacher that ever walked to the face of the earth is a dude that's doubting. And he says to them, he says, but yet, yet, who is least in the kingdom is God is greater than he. And when all the people heard this, the tax collectors, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John, except the Pharisees and the lawyers who rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the, you know, well, Jesus was never harsh. He just called them all babies. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. In the marketplace, well, we don't smoke here. Anyway, and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. In other words, we played this, you know, uh, uh, fife and fiddle. We played this note, and you didn't follow along with us. John the Baptist came to you eating no bread, drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. Y'all didn't like him because he didn't act like you all. Then I came, Jesus says, and I came eating and drinking. I hung out with all the sinners, and then you condemned me and called me a drunk, called me with the tax collectors and sinners, and he said, you want to know who the real children are? You watch who our disciples are. You may be seated. John's disciples will go back and report what, what Jesus had done. 
And not unlike you and I, a lot of times in our life experience, we really believe and have an idea and we have this little golden dream, especially those of you with certain personality types that if we just do everything right, we get our kids in the Christian school and we get our kids doing the right thing and we do Bible studies and, and we have the right program and the right preachers in our church, then all of our life is going to go well and no, it won't and stop thinking that way. Jesus never promised you no pain in this life. Your kids are going to do the wrong stuff because they're sin cursed like you. He never promised us that it would all go well. But we have this idea that Jesus is just going to like a magic wand, make everything happy and it's all going to be good. And it's not the case. John the Baptist was this greatest preacher that ever lived and he's literally in prison and down inside of him, and I know, I understand, he's like angry and frustrated with God. I've got this calling on my life. I've got a, he's a fireball preacher. He's the best that ever walked the face of the earth, and he's not preaching over a year, and he's frustrated. Why did God give me this gift if I can't use it? And God's saying, because I want to teach you deeper stuff about me. And you all don't like to hear that. You don't get to do what you want. And you get mad and frustrated with God. And God's saying, I want you in your doubts to let me take you deeper. Now write this down. Here's what we learn about doubts in our lives. And this is with John the Baptist. Faith and doubt can be found, find room in the same heart. I guarantee you've never heard that. That blows our mind. Because we've always been taught good Christians don't have doubts. I'm telling you, John the Baptist, by Jesus' declaration, is the greatest preacher, still is. Faith and doubt can have room in the same heart. That's deep. And that's different than the way we've been taught and the way that we live. You want to be a servant, a wonderful servant of God, then allow him to take you through your seasons of intense doubt and help you to understand this principle. Hear me this morning. Doubting. I'm going to say it. Doubting is not a sin. Doubting is not a sin. How you handle your doubts is the sin potential. How you handle and deal with your doubts. Jesus, John did not ignore his doubts. You hear me? John did not ignore his doubts. He went to Jesus and asked Jesus, are you the one who really, who you say you are. And in verses 21 through 23, we just read this, puts this back up on the screen for me, uh, Shane. Jesus does these miracles and these powers and he demonstrates his presence and he says, now go tell my boy that I am that one. Now notice what happens in verse 23. And he said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Does that not just leap off the pages at you? Can I take it just a second to land here a little bit deeper this morning? Here's what I believe that Jesus was teaching in this text. <clears throat> Have any, how many of us are walking through a season in your life and have been for a while where things did not go like you dreamed? Maybe you have a child that was diagnosed after they were born 
with special needs. Jesus is saying, blessed are the woes, those who in the calling of their life are going to have a child that's not going to be the American dream child, but I'm going to be there with you through that season of your life. I'm going to show you my glory. Don't be offended because life didn't turn out with a perfect kid, but know this, I'm going to bless you in ways that nobody else will be able to know my presence and my glory. That's going deeper. How many of you have been diagnosed with a chronic ailment in your life? And you're walking through this season in your life. We got to do back there with crutches. Uh, the, uh, we, uh, how many of you have been diagnosed with something? A while ago, I ran up here on the stage. I couldn't freaking see anything that was there because I left my glasses. I hate getting old. I'm just telling you, how many of you are walking through a season of your life when you've got a diagnosis in your life and Jesus is saying to you, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Know this, it's just, you're going to have the pain in this life. This is not heaven. This is not where we enjoy for the rest of eternity. This is not heaven. Have you been to the gas pump? Why do we keep getting frustrated because we get sick here and our kids don't do right and we have all this problem and we want to vote a Democrat or Republican in? I got news for you. They ain't fixed nothing in my lifetime and they're not going to fix it in your lifetime. What we need is a king and his name is Jesus. So the truth is, blessed are you who win your kids go astray. No, I'm going to walk with you through that season. And I'm going to keep searching for your kids. And we're going to keep fighting until we get them back. Isn't that good? When you lose your job because you do the right thing, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to fight for you until I get you to that new place. Are you listening to me this morning? When your spouse dies, maybe you have a kid that dies. It's not fair, God. You realize this is not our home. And here's what I'm simply trying to say to you all this morning. Faith and doubt can be in the same room in our hearts because God's wanting to take you deeper. And here's, if you guys will listen to what God is doing at Connect Church, he's showing us his glory. Some of y'all just keep missing it. You're wanting the church to help you deal with the pain of your loss. And you're mad at me or the people because they don't come around you. We have grief share. We have counseling. We pray over you. We go to your funerals. But you're still like, but nobody comes around me and helps me through the rest of this. Listen to me this morning. With all due respect, you understand that none of us can take away that pain that you feel this morning. And you keep trying other methodologies because you're really mad at God. And you take it out on a lot of the rest of us, and you understand, we understand your pain. But can I give you a word from Jesus today? Blessed are those 
who are not offended by me, who understand that I want to take you deeper into your pain because I'm going to show you my glory like you've never seen, like nobody else can see that glory but you that are walking through this season of difficulty in your life. Let me show you my glory. And Jesus is doing that at Connect Church. We have here journals that you guys are reading through. I'm getting ready to walk you through. If you're doing your here journals, if you quit wallowing, in your doubts and get off your backside and do what we're asking you to do and follow with us. God is blessing and connect groups and they're going to help you pour into you. You need to get your backside to one of them. Join Grief Share. Come and be a part of what God is doing to make disciples at Connect Church. Not just on Sunday morning, but plug in to the glory that God is showing. He is making disciples at this church. We got a young man that rededicated his life a few weeks ago. He's wanting to do disciples Discipleship. I'm telling you, you start a discipleship group. Quit letting the doubts defeat you. This young man decided he's just a country boy, redneck farmer. So you know what he's doing? He said, I'm going to start a discipleship group to reach other farmers, other rednecks like me. And he says, I'm going to call my discipleship group Cowboys for Christ. That's as redneck as you get, and I love it. Jesus is doing glorious things. Do you know that last month, our church has been in existence for 90 flipping years. And last month, for the very first time in our church's history, we have reached over 400 in attendance every single week. Auburn and Monez Roberts are shouting in heaven going, we're still doing what we were called to do 90 years ago. God is showing his glory in this church. And you guys are not seeing his glory because you're focused on the pain. The happiness that God wants to give you is not to give in to your doubt. The happiness is to answer your doubts. You got it, Shane, put it up for me. The happiness is not to give in to your doubt. The way to happiness is to answer your doubts with the evidence that we have in Christ. That's what Jesus did. He showed him his glory. He showed him his, he showed him his power. And Jesus is doing the same at Connect Church. Guys, the evidence is all around us. We sing about it here at Connect Church. Now here's just a little taste. To my widows this morning, to Shirley Mills, and I know you, you miss David, but you realize David is not gone. Miss Pat Tubb, another one of our deacon's wives, you realize that Mr. Bob is not gone. To Miss Cindy, you realize your Bob is not gone. To Miss Mary Ann, you realize Tom is not gone. And to all the rest of you who are walking through this season of death and how hard that is, if you guys are following along with the rest of us in this church, and if you guys will do what we're pouring into in discipleship, join in a small group and just simply do in your here journals, here's what you all read in your here journals this week. This is why you need, because God is trying to show you his glory. We're just not listening. 
He is showing and demonstrating, and he's healing. He's literally healing people. You guys have got to start coming on Wednesday nights. We're literally having people be healed and hear their testimony. Miss Barbara stood up a few weeks ago and told the testimony of how her daughter was diagnosed with cancer. They told her that she had just a few months to live. But guess what? God has touched her body, and she's doing far better today. God is healing. God is saving. God is moving in this church. Are you seeing his glory? Here's what y'all read this week. And this is what I say to my ladies today. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We, we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This is what we read together this week, ladies and gentlemen. And the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. But when the imperishable puts on the imperishable and the, mortal, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written. Are you ready for a little victory this morning? Oh, death! <laughs> the devil doesn't have my boys. The devil doesn't have them. They're not gone! <laughs> because death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you this morning that David Mills, Bob Leach, Bob Tubb, and Tom Daniel are shouting from the glories of heaven. Y'all keep doing what that bald-headed guy's yelling at you because I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Y'all keep on going <laughs> because it's the same gospel that Jesus preached in Luke chapter 7. We haven't changed it. We haven't watered it down. We're just telling you what the Bible has to say straight out of the Word of God. Do your hear journals. And here's another one that you all read with me this week. If you've been doing your hear journals, here's my, my favorite, 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal possession. Through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. In other words, what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians, and this is so money. He said, I want to tell and I've been reading simultaneously this past week in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel is so Baptist that God has delivered them from Egyptian bondage. And you know what they did? They got mad and complained because they didn't have enough food. They got mad and complained because they didn't have enough water. And so God just kept showing them his glory. And they kept whining and griping because they, they didn't see the evidence of God's glory. So he sends Moses up into the mountain. And Moses comes down, and he's seen the glory of God, Mark. And the people are like, whoa, back up, Jack. That's the presence of God. And then Paul says, we read this week together, if y'all are doing your John Brown here journals, this is why we keep telling you God he's got to do this stuff, because God wants to pour into you his power and his glory. And this is what we read this week. Jesus, uh, Paul says to the church at Corinth, y'all keep whining and griping that the Gentiles ain't like the Jews. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is way better than Moses. And they're like, what? Don't you, don't you talk about my great-granddaddy Moses? He said Moses had to go into the mountain and he saw God one time. 
He said, you got Jesus living inside of you every single day, showing you his glory, and you all are freaking missing it. Jesus is showing you his glory every single day. You got to open up your eyes and see it. Somebody say amen. We have seen his glory. And Jesus says, this is how you deal with your doubts. Is you let me show you my glory, and I will bless you. If you're not done, I am. So let me share with you four takeaways, and we'll let you go. Ooh, four biblical principles of how to handle our emotional exhaustion and doubt. Here's how you deal with your doubts, according to Luke 7. Honestly, tell God what you're feeling. Some of y'all really stink at this because you're all personality types or church types that you feel like you don't want God to think bad of you because you have bad thoughts. Stop it. That's the reason you're not going deep and you keep being a shallow, immature believer because you won't own up to your true feelings. You want everything to be easy and peasy and it's not that way. Dump everything on him. He can handle it. Don't start by telling God what you should be feeling. Some of you quit doing that to your kids. Start by telling him what you are feeling. This is so easy, but it's so missed. Tell God where you really are. Number two, humbly ask God for strength. How many parents in the room this morning with little kids? You're just emotionally exhausted. You're tired. Some of you are going to a job that you can't stand. Some of you are walking through high school this year and it sucks and, and you're struggling and, and um, you're like, man, you know, whatever. Do uh, you realize the reason you're doubting God is because you're not asking for daily strength. This is what discipleship does for y'all. Y'all got to quit waiting for the big thing to happen on Sunday and to do the daily. It's the daily strength. Look at me, ladies. How about you just ask God, that kid is sick again. They got a runny nose. They will not eat their carrots no matter what I put in front of them. They act like their dad. Tell God, <laughs> easy on that one, but it's true. Tell God how you feel and then pray for strength, supernatural strength to be the mom that he wants you to be. Why do you keep trying to be super mom when God says, let me help you? Why do you keep trying to be super dad when God says, let me give you strength? to make the right decision. You guys freak out. Well, I don't know if I lose my job, we're gonna lose our house, we blah, 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 blah. Don't you think God knows what's going on in your finances? How about you let God give you the strength to take care and lead your home the way you should do it? We don't ask God for strength. We keep trying to do it ourselves. Number three, gratefully thank God for all the good despite the bad. Now look at me, for all you pie-in-the-sky people uh, that think, you know, everything's supposed to go out good. You don't thank God for the tragedies and the bad stuff. Don't thank God that you got cancer. 
Don't thank God that somebody died in your family. But what you do thank God for is that God is giving you church, resources, a preacher that loves you enough to give you hardcore truth, and people around you praying for you. You thank God for all the other stuff that he's brought into your life to help you walk through your season of doubt. Isn't that good? Make a list today of all the blessings that you have in your life. Not the bad. Make a list of all the other stuff and then say, dang, that's how God is using this to walk me through the season that I'm going through in my life. I know you never heard that stuff, but it's true. Number four, constantly keep your focus on God. You realize this is what Jesus did on the cross. You realize Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He even cried out, Mark, if this cup can pass from me, then let it be. So Jesus did not want to go to the cross, but he did it willingly. Why? Because it was the Father's mission for his life. The reason some of you are miserable and frustrated is because you've forgotten why God created you. He created you to make a difference, to pray and go, to share the Easter story, to, to live for him forever and eternity. What Tom and Bob and Bob and, and, and what the David is telling us today, I'm telling you on this side, keep on focus on Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Keep doing his work. Keep doing his work. The church is right. This is what you invest in. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. These three verses share with us three, or these verses share with us three powerful reminders that I want to just leave with you and we'll go. And here's the truth this morning. How do you deal with doubt in this world? Refresh ourselves regularly in God's word. Remember that our problems are just temporary. We're going home and recognize that God, this is a big one. You can't learn this any other way. This is how you go deep. God is using our pain to build our character. Would you come this morning and tell God how you feel? Would you stand with us? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we invite folks to come today and just deal with a crazy message, stuff that we probably never heard. We can so relate to John the Baptist, the greatest preacher who had room in his heart for both faith and doubt. So help us this morning to get past the guilt and the lies that Satan has deceived us with and our personalities and our ways of thinking and religion and church. And help us to go to Jesus. The way you made us, the way that we go deep is to deal with our pain, to deal with our doubts, and to run into your presence with them and allow you to build character, allow you to grow us through the pain. Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, as we extend this invitation and sing a verse of invitation, maybe there's church folks here this morning that for whatever reason, man, the devil is just so beating them down. Those that are listening online need to kneel beside their couch this morning 
and just say, man, God, I have failed you in this area. I've ignored him. I denied him. Whatever. I've wallowed in my doubts. Enough's enough. I'm not going to let the devil lie to me anymore. God, this is how I feel. The real feelings. And God, I come to you today and I ask you, help me to see your glory. Help me to see your glory and know that you are real. If you will, would you please come and know Jesus is real. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.